Welcome to the Edge of NFT podcast with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. We aim to bring you not only the top 1% of what's going on with NFTs today, but what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts in the business side, but also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things that we love. This podcast is for the futurists and dreamers, the disruptors and creators, the fans and connectors, and the makers and doers that are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features our guest, Justin Wu. He is the founder of DeFi Summit, the largest conference coming in May, as well as NFTCon, a dedicated NFT conference. He is a growth marketer and community builder in this space, working with upcoming parachain projects in the Kusama and Polkadot ecosystem. He also has a large following on crypto Twitter. That's a more formal introduction, but Josh and Jeff, you guys know Justin. Yeah, man. You know, Justin and us go way back through the LA sort of crypto roots. I think it's been three or four years. I think there's more adults in the room now. The industry is growing up. What are you up to these days, man? Yeah. So like give everybody a little bit of background about myself. So I got into crypto around 2016, 15, 16, when I guess like Litecoin and Dogecoin started popping off the grid. Uh, I'm a big time gamer, just started to do GPU mining. And then I just saw that I could make crypto money from Dogecoin actually. <laughs> and then I experienced kind of the, uh, all the crashes pretty much the Mt. Gox crash when Bitcoin went from 100 to 1000, got wrecked there. Then Bitcoin did this thing up to 20K, got wrecked there, but Diamond handed through. So, yeah, just been working in the industry behind All right, the scenes. This is where I cut in and catch the lingo, diamond handed in. Tell yeah. me, <laughs> tell me what, tell me what that I can sort of intuit, but what does diamond handed mean? <laughs> well, I think a lot of the, the uh, Wall Street bets and the, the GameStop guys have kind of uh, coined that term. You know, in crypto, we, ju- we just always say hodl or, you know, hold on for dear okay. life. It's, you know, it's been a little rough, you know, holding Bitcoin 2017 crash all the way down, but while still, but you did it. Yeah, yeah, we did it. Wow. I, didn't, I didn't sell focus back on more like traditional fintech and, and actual revenue while that was happening because I, you know, I believed in, in kind of the, the still believed in kind of the direction, but, uh, we were just still super early on where the hype outshadowed the actual, uh, progress and applications, um, for crypto. But funny enough, actually kind of took a little break last year from crypto a little bit, just because uh, things were just milling out a little bit. And then DeFi started popping on the map as well as NFTs. That was like during summertime of 2020 uh, when they, you know, what they call DeFi summer started happening. And while I was just sitting on the sidelines, not working in the crypto industry, I already started to feel outdated with what's happening on like NFTs and DeFi. And then that's usually a bad sign when... When I'm already feeling outdated just because I stepped out the game for a couple of months, then that means our space is just progress and move way beyond what I've understand and, and went through. So I had to drop my fintech job and go back into crypto again and see what's going on. And uh, sure enough, it's been much more different now. We're seeing actual use cases and just revenue generating opportunities that blockchain has been able to apply from decentralized finance and now NFTs. And also too, DeFi NFTs, that's like a thing that's popping off lately as well too. So yeah, just been kind of uh, getting heavily back involved in the space and uh, always around like, I like just like educating and creating community around that. So that's why like I founded DeFi Summit as well as the upcoming NFT con. That's just like a virtual event to celebrate and educate people about what's going on uh, in the space. That's awesome, man. So those two, they're coming up here. What are the dates on those? DeFi Summit's first. It's going to be in mid-May. 
We're finalizing the date still, uh, but it's going to be at least one week before consensus. So we're not competing with consensus. Uh, Our conference is going to be, I think, around May 18th and the 19th. But we're going to have week-long events because it's going to turn into like a DeFi week from like DeFi Shark Tank uh, pitch event, trying to set up a little party in Decentraland as well, just for fun. Nice. Uh, and we'll have, we'll have a little NFT uh, stage as well too, just for uh, for the DeFi summit. But um, but shortly after, probably in around June, July, we'll have the NFT con that's just going to be dedicated to um, all the creatives, culture, artists, etc., and all the different use cases for NFTs. Uh, deeper dive into that, just because DeFi summits just focus 100% on DeFi as well. So it's coming right up, and uh, it'll be all virtual. We'll look into physical events maybe at the end of the year to early next. So we're not in a rush to do that. Make sure everybody gets vaccinated for sort of whatever uh, choice yeah. they want to do. So NFT, what are the what are the use cases that you're getting excited about? Yeah, so you know I've been into NFTs for the past couple of years, and it's just never hit its like killer application. And I still think that we're still like in phase one of NFTs. Um, if you thought like ICOs is probably like phase two of like crypto with Mt. Gox being like phase one, like I think we're in phase one for NFTs currently right now with all the different art speculation on these NFTs right now in terms of value. Everybody's just trying to create NFTs for for everything in terms of like art assets. But I think if, if NFTs started popping off in the past couple of months, then that means that the actual tech and development for interactivity and, and actual use cases We'll probably be in like the next like one to three years um, when we start seeing more actual use for NFTs. And what is that use? You know, it could be like games taking those NFTs into a multiverse. We're kind of we're already kind of seeing that with like the Central Land and Engine and all these other platforms. But I don't think we're there quite yet. I think that we'll need to get more like AAA developers and actual game and bigger bigger engine game engines and platforms to actually house that. And I don't think we're quite there yet. Other use cases too, I think we're seeing is like asset or collateral backed NFTs. This could be actual commodities or actual art pieces itself, like a Picasso art, not necessarily taking like a Banksy art and burning it into an NFT, but actually having both the physical and digital assets tied together where, uh, you know, there's like sort of a NFC device or authenticity device that provides tracking or authenticity of actual like luxury goods and items. I think that that's that that's yet to come. On that note, it reminds me. Yeah, there there were several projects right back in that 2018, early 2018 timeframe. Mm-hmm. We're working like on like VeChain yeah. and a few other ones as well too. I haven't tracked VeChain's development too, so I hope they're progressing in, in that direction. But if not, there are like some newer emerging protocols on projects that I'm just keeping watch on as well too that are building the the frameworks for that. But also, too, we have new protocols outside of Ethereum that are also just turning online as well, too. So that's what's kind of different for this run compared to previous run is that back then it was like Bitcoin and Ethereum, and that was it. And Ethereum was still in its infancy. Now Ethereum is gradually, uh, slowly but surely getting into E2.0 with uh, mm-hmm. upgrades that are going to happen probably like in the summer and then another end of the year up to E2.0 if it happens. Probably not this year, but you know, you never know. So for people that are less familiar with that, like I think there's a lot of angst around NFTs being traded and leveraged across the Ethereum platform because gas, it's very expensive, right? Right oh, now. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And so can you talk about that a little bit, like where you see things going from where they are today to the summer and these new releases that are coming? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, gas is super expensive. 
you know, there's a few new Ethereum upgrades that are going to be happening. But, you know, as the market further increases and as Ethereum price also increases, and so will gas as well, too, until ETH 2.0 comes. And so just to like even like mint a coin and buy coins and just, or sorry, like NFTs, it just costs, you know, uh, more than what you'd pay for like even just a Chase bank account. Like <laughs> this is, this is, we get the benefits of decentralization, but at the cost of like high fees that are higher than traditional finance. And that is still a, big barrier in my opinion to to mass adoption but you know right now with like the nft art and all the artists that people are creating i think that right now at least in the again we're in still phase one i think that it's still just appealing only to like the crypto whales and crypto heavy uh deep rabbit hole people that are are really into nfts that are buying speculative art because of their gains and and other rich whales out there Whereas the everyday person buying into this, it's, it's just super expensive getting into that because you got the added tax of uh, getting taxed by uh, the gas fees every single time you're, you're, you're making a move and minting and, and creating these NFTs. So this leaves out other opportunities now where there are emerging other uh, Ethereum competitors and platforms that have proof of stake and have lower gas fees that are going to be launching their mainnet soon. Some of them is like Polkadot is a big one. Polkadot and Kusama, um, they go together. Kusama is going to launch first and then Polkadot right after. And then you also, you know, whenever Cardano takes their time, you know, they just finally deployed smart contracts. So we'll see what happens on the, on that front. But, you know, we're starting to see other platforms too, just add NFTs like EOS and those other, other ones. Neo is going to have an upgrade in June as well too. But uh, I haven't really been following and tracking all those. What we're seeing kind of with this trend, though, is it is everybody trying to copycat Ethereum because Ethereum always leads the way and it opens always open up the door for all these other projects. But it does create opportunities, too, because of the inefficiencies of, of the gas price. So we're seeing all the every other protocol try to just copycat all the different tools from DeFi and NFTs onto their platform as well, too. So quick question. You've been through sort of these two big peaks of and troughs from Bitcoin mm -hmm. over the past uh, several years. Do you get the feeling like, okay, this is a peak now, there'll be another trough after that, but NFTs, how are they integrated into that? Do you see like a huge yeah. amount of excitement about NFTs in the next you know, year? And then, you know, silence about NFTs for three years or something. Is that what you imagine or maybe a different scenario? No, this, this is a good discussion uh, and a great point. I've always talked with a lot of people within both like crypto circles as well as outside crypto circles. Is, is right now, you know, the biggest question is NFT a bubble right now? Is this like the same thing that's been happening with Bitcoin's finding its like huge, huge peak? And the, the reason why I say that it's not really the same thing right now, it's because, well, first off is NFTs are bringing in a whole different crowd that isn't the typical Bitcoiners. We got a lot of people that are like hype, the hype beast crowd that buys like speculative shoes, Pokemon cards and, and trading cards are coming in. Um, but I also think that it's kind of a, in my opinion, a rolling bubble that is just getting bigger and bigger, depending on what the NFTs are. For example, NBA Top Shots, it's going to hit its peak right now during the season. And then when the season's over, it's going to like chill for a little bit, but then football season will pick up. So you know, whoever takes the NFL uh, NFTs come out, is going to make a lot of uh, noise as well. And, and same. And then whenever NBA season comes back, 
it's going to be the next uh, the hype cycle again that just keeps continuing rolling. And because these NFTs and assets, they can't be tied to the price of Bitcoin because they're not even priced. They don't even have a Bitcoin pair. So it's just a USD pair. And people are buying it with just straight cash. Um, and the, there's a lot of fiat on ramps and, and trading. So I always tell people, like, uh, as long as there's a market and there's people are speculating on it um, and just trading these assets, then it's no different than how we see, like, these like Counter-Strike guns and these other skins out there just always trade as long as it has and maintains its own value. They, they kind of piggyback off of gaming, right? Uh, with a lot of these NFTs, to your point, because in a game, it's you can click a button, you're already connected to your credit card and you've purchased the skin for your, your weapon or your player, right? Yeah. So yeah. when you look at like what they did with NBA Top Shot, for example, well, one, they built Flow, right? To mm-hmm. mitigate the issue of fees. So you can trade a, a pack of three moments or cards for nine bucks or 10 bucks. Um, it might cost you 40 bucks to transact that thing right now in gas, right? So they built yeah. Flow so that they could manage that, A. And then B, on the front end, as a consumer, if you didn't know this was on the blockchain, there's no signal that it somehow is as a consumer, right? So really anybody off the street that's a fan of collectibles or trading can come in and press a button and buy it and partake in this without even really knowing anything about the back end, which I find to be really fascinating. And open it opens the door, I think, to so much more investment that say, 100%. you know, buying an NFT off OpenSea does not. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of like the road to mass adoption is to make the blockchain invisible. You know, you obviously you can argue that flow is a very centralized chain, but it works for its purpose built for its purpose. Right. And in the company. And in my opinion, there's going to be decentralized assets and decentralized NFTs. And then there's going to be kind of this hybrid. Um, but it's also necessary to, for at least for NFTs in this way, if you open up the purchases and allow people to buy credit cards, there's going to be uh, chargeback scans. So you, you will need a system to prevent that because of, of all the fraud that goes on in, in the digital assets or like skins world in, in the video game world, whether right. it be through like money, money laundering or credit card skimming and, and scams as well too. So if you're like giving somebody an actual asset, it's actual real value that cannot be taken back, then you're kind of like setting yourself up for failure. And then the whole system will actually break down in terms of the economy because people are just like duping and and, and producing uh, assets with fraud. So, you know, I, I understand like the design choice that Flow went with in terms of like the centralization. And I think that we'll see that if Microsoft or like Epic Games comes out, it's going to be a centralized chain that's not decentralized. And it, it, it's okay because as long as there's a market for it and it's still provable that uh, in terms of authenticity and essentially the Oracle or the validators are the main company itself, like uh, Dapper and, and NBA certifying the results then uh, who, well, I, I want to say who really cares because like we've seen like <laughs> with the NBA top shots, there has been some issues with some members getting banned from uh, the community for just beefing with the mod. So that does rise, you know, uh, growing pains questions, whether you truly own your asset or not, or is it just rented space too? So it's, it's still, that's, but that just means we're so early on. <laughs> we're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> are, are we getting into a world where gaming becomes a bigger industry because you don't have to be the best gamer and compete at tournaments to make money in gaming where you can actually be a gamer, but you can make money in all these other ways by trading NFTs and collections where there's a conversation between a high school senior and his his parents where he says, 
or her, she says, mom, dad, I'm going to be an NFT trader for a career and I'm not going to college. Is, is that coming up? Uh, well, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's the same with like Pokemon card trading now. And it's actually like a thing and all these other <laughs> crazy, you know, I've seen people that have built businesses based off like reselling like shoes and, and build a whole empire based off that as well too. Right. So right now we're, we're really living in a, a uh, alternative asset slash like hype market right now with uh, unique things, you know, like limited shoes and limited drops of any asset. So yeah, it's, it is creating new economies. Um, I don't fully believe that gaming will, well, you know, it's still super early on, but there's a whole bunch of benefits on why gaming companies don't want to NFT every single asset and skin out there. They, they'll probably make more money without NFTing all the items. And also too, if a AAA game company like uh, Epic Games or Steam goes into that territory a little bit more deeper, you're going to just hit a lot more regulatory uh, concerns across the board in every single region that the laws um, has not caught up to, especially if, if the laws haven't even caught up to crypto and crypto has been this much years in development. We already see on the fringes with the idea of those uh, booster packs or chests that you can buy from like Call of Duty and all these other other loot boxes, I should say, loot boxes that was ready on under regulatory scrutiny just because of uh, the gambling factor. And yeah, it, you can have provable value to it, but what what if a government comes in and says, in terms of like a society, we don't want people to gamble and just like spend and and just rack up a ton of debt just trying to like speculate on the these uh, crazy assets or digital skins as well, too. I, I think there was an issue with Chile and in Europe, if I recall, where uh, there's questions around sort of w- where's the line between trading and gambling, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're just looking at like the markets, like in terms of speculative markets out there, like if you want to look at the most advanced society in terms of digital assets and skins and trading of kind of that in an NFT, like, ecosystem that would probably be like korea and japan but the you also see like in terms of like the negative effects too there's a lot of people in debt because of that as well too because it opens up a whole box of like speculation as well too i'm not saying that nfts are necessarily bad but if you want to look at for like a whole economy built off of that there's like a lot of stats where the actual average uh, user because of the they bought so much skins granted these skins can't be resold that's why they might be in debt right if they were to buy skins that actually had value that could actually look very different. So maybe maybe it is actually a cure. We, we don't really know. But we, we you know, what you could see like in some of these like more like digital heavy uh, assets and skin skin economies, you know, it's been uh, a potential regulatory concern and, and issue for some of these bigger AAA game companies to actually like really dive in and, and uh, jump in. Isn't it sometimes also like about the government or other entities, big media players or whatever, getting their cut? Right. Like if you think about fantasy sports or, or just how that led into sports betting with DraftKings and, and whatnot. Right. Like mm-hmm. once everybody figured out how to get their cut, it was like, all right, the gates are open. You, you feel like there's a, a similar path in store for NFTs? Sort of. But, you know, like, you know, it's actually easier to track all the transactions and, and get, you know, pass through and, and tax tax all that, too. So I don't necessarily think that that is the case. I think that. Once you start opening the box for that, then we've already seen it in like the the Counter-Strike and gaming, like Steam um, allowed for, like had to shut down all like third-party reselling of all their skins and asset 
it's because of money laundering and credit card scams as well too. Like a lot of uh, Russia and China has just just been trying to like tunnel money out through these video games, which is just there's a whole there's like crazy articles about like they're just running very microtransactions, but they're just like trying to like move money out of the the country. So. Um, <laughs> just through video game assets and skins, like you wouldn't be able to to think about it. It's just pretty insane. Wow. So you know, a lot of uh, yeah, and so it's just like a lot of like the PUBG and Counter Strike stuff had to shut down from that as well in terms of like third party trades. Maybe that's why the real estate market in LA softened a little bit. Is all the yeah. investors in real estate started investing in in virtual real estate? Yeah, yeah, that's good. That could be the case, and you know that 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 is always been the question mark too with some of these art. Uh, pieces that have been popping up some of it's just been wash trading or uh people just uh money laundering to be honest as well too through right. some of these like nft uh eth assets you know i think that that's the other part of it because there's just not enough regulatory control which is sad but also too this is true like the governments want full control of understanding who is who's buying this and and how money's flowing and trying to stop um uh, for that and the question is like are you going to make gamers really uh pull out their uh, ID and do KYC on uh, Epic Game Store and, and Microsoft Store when they already hate Activision and call it like they already hate these companies uh, <laughs> as is. And all these companies are also owned by China too. So you really want to, do you really want to KYC uh, with these game companies? I don't know. So it's like, it, there's a whole bunch of issues that I see that in terms of like just being realistic about this, that I think that are barriers to seeing like a full transformation of uh, NFTs in some of these like bigger mainstream publishers. But I think if it does come, it's going to look more like flow that it's going to be a centralized chain. And, uh, and then all the assets will just like live on, on the platform itself. You cannot move it out into a uh, separate wallet. It's going to be like an Epic's game wallet. That that's it. You said you work in FinTech, right? Outside of all of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm just curious, I can see that there's connections to, to Bitcoin and, and crypto and things like that. Is there anything that you bring with you from, you know, your other career? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So like in, in terms of FinTech, we're, we were trying to build a credit card startup. Essentially what it did was without getting too much d- deep into it, it's just we created our own underwriting system that allows anybody to just deposit collateral and then we gave them small credit to start from the ground up so that they didn't have to have a good credit score we kind of let them give more accessibility for credit if anything that should have been a DeFi product now if i think about it we could actually try to approach it with DeFi a little bit better (laughs) but that is just a huge wall to just climb over just launching a credit card (laughs) you'd rather launch a debit card to be honest but um going through that though just had to jump through a lot of uh barriers to understand like yeah the kyc process and just all the regulatory issues of even just launching a card from the ground up and all the barriers with working with like all the financial institutions out there now in terms of like that relations to um to nfts you know i think that yeah like right now nfts are in terms of marketplaces they're going to have to start following the rules that are going to be similar to like DraftKings and others and so the question again comes down to is do if one of the biggest potential gateways for NFTs is mass for mass adoption is gaming or interactivity, then will that whole group of uh, gamers and other people, will they really want to jump through all that, uh, the same loopholes of what the going through like the DraftKings process or um, others, but you, you never know, you know, we see people jumping through Robinhood now and, and, and just freely giving up their IDs. 
Um, I just don't know if that's going to happen in, in the gaming space per se. If, uh, and I do believe gaming is going to be like the, the biggest like NFT killer killer application that's coming out there. But uh, yeah, that's why I think that we're still like a couple of years out, both like culturally and in the company cultures as wise to, to really adopt and accept this as the, the new way of, of skin trading and, and assets. So let me give you a quote, bro. I, I was at the ETH Global conference, the NFT hack last weekend, saw some just killer applications and some amazing developers doing like really amazing stuff. But they, they led with this quote. It was, uh, the future of collecting may be less in owning the thing that nobody else has and more in owning the thing that everybody else has. Mm-hmm. That's a McKinsey work. I like that quote. Uh, 2016 credit. You know, so I guess the question is, maybe you just mentioned it, gaming, but what are the platforms or what's the platform that you're most excited about that's going to lead the way into this next phase of NFTs? I, I think for like rarity and like for really high value assets, ETH will still probably lead that for now. But when it comes to like mass adoption, that's why like Flow had to move away from ETH because if we're trying to talk about onboarding millions of people, even when ETH 2.0 comes out, it's not going to happen on ETH. It has to come into a layer two solution or in this case, like Polkadot, it's going to go through a parachain. And for those that don't know what a parachain is, basically Polkadot is what they call an internet of blockchains. Polkadot sits in the middle. It's called layer zero. And every parachain is just a blockchain. So it's just a blockchain. Uh, Polkadot is just dots of blockchains all connected by Polkadot in the center, if that makes sense. Polkadot is just the, the central like relay operating system almost that just connects all these different blockchains together. But what that allows it to do is that each of these parachains have their own different rules in terms of like security, privacy, it'll have its own transaction and uh, transaction speed and throughput as well too. So what it does is like every parachain, it's its own like freeway or, or speed network that can handle its own transactions. And there could be a lot of coins built inside that parachain too. And the problem with Ethereum currently as it stands is that, you know, if there's going to be millions of people like slamming all those transactions into that network for gaming and then all these other, other things, then it's just not going to happen. Um, it's going to be continuous slow or gas is just still going to shoot up. You know, we're seeing like emerging platforms still like Polkadot, Cardano and others that are still not here yet, but are, are going to be turning on hopefully this year um, that are, are emerging. Um, another, pla- you know, we've got. Oh, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. What was the other platform you were going to mention? Oh, yeah. Other yeah I'm taking notes, bro. Gonna... I got to make these trades here in a minute. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> another platform. This is one is I think it's going to take a few more years to develop is called uh, Luxo, L-U-K-S-O. And uh, this is a very, uh, it's just, again, it's its own protocol now, and it's really specifically designed for NFTs. And it was created by the guy who, cre- who invented the ERC-20, which essentially also created the ICO. So he was like an ETH Foundation like contributor, and he also created the ERC-725, which is about identity or unique identity which is also useful for uh, NFTs as well, since each NFT is its own unique ID um, standard. And so uh, he created his own chain as well um, that is uh, designed for all the NFT purposes. And I think the white paper kind of highlights it very well in that they're looking at like physical goods to digital goods, provenance, authenticity, identification, and a whole bunch of other, uh, other things in there too. So I think that we'll continue, I think, We'll continue to either see like a dedicated pair chains that are dedicated to NFTs come out, 
or dedicated chains that are going to be able to handle the throughput and built for the standards of entities going to succeed in, in my opinion. What's great though, that's in terms of what's going to happen in the next year or two is that it doesn't really matter to you about these chains being their own chain, because we're going to see the concept of interchain or internet of blockchains come to fruition very soon with like Cosmos. Oh, I forgot to mention Cosmos, uh, Polkadot and others that are allowing different chains to just talk to each other and move assets uh, freely across each other as well too, which again is a new concept. So we don't really need to like worry as much in terms of like availability because there's going to be these uh, gateways that will allow for these uh, connections between different blockchains together. Yeah. So speaking of opening the space, I heard yesterday, I get all my news these days from Clubhouse that uh, A16 made a major investment in OpenSea, um, including Mark Cuban and, and Navel came in on that. You talked about sort of the crypto platforms. What sort of do you see happening in the, the NFT marketplace world? If someone asks you, should I do my NFT on Wax or OpenSea or one of the other platforms, what, what are the things that come to mind for you in terms of making those decisions? Well, well, first off, currently right now, you know, like in terms of like the the top tier ones, like Nifty Gateway and these other ones too, like they're all like booked out <laughs> in terms of like trying to list your NFT there um, for the most part, unless uh, in terms of like drops and in, in, in marketing. In terms of these other like, yeah, emerging platforms, you know, I would almost say that if possible, like I would just treat them all as a as no different than as like an e-commerce marketplace, like list a few in a different spots and see what sells. That's all that matters in my opinion is like whether who can bring the most revenue for you. Like why, who cares about the platform? Like I, I would try to list on on Rarible and OpenSea and all these different platforms and see what sells. Don't be limited to just one platform because each of these platforms will have its own buyers and sellers. In the end of the day, NFTs right now is a marketing game and uh, how much people you can kind of get aware of your product or NFT art or NFT asset to, to believe in it. Because we're so early on right now, I, I wouldn't have any necessary loyalty versus one platform or the other. It's just whether, whether they actually have the customers or not. You know, and I, I've outside of like crypto, like I've been in the e-commerce game and they're like, would you choose eBay or Etsy? Why not both? Like listed everywhere you can um, just take some assets, move, put it on there. And if you make money and, and you get a sale, who cares if it's only like 1% extra, that's a 1% uplift on one a marketplace you didn't think about. I'm just curious. Can you can't list the same? NFT. No, you can't. Well, I guess yeah. you could list. Okay. Yeah, but, you're, but if you made multiple copies of it, if you said there's like 20 copies and 10 are on this one and 10 are on yeah. this platform, yeah, or something exactly, like that. exactly. And then obviously, if you're going to have one NFT that's just been chilling on one platform, then you know, like a prized, unique one, then yeah, you just let let it sit on there and. You know, it'd be interesting to see in the future if there's like an NFT marketplace and inventory management thing that helps you track or deploy across these different, that could be a product idea <laughs> I didn't think about. Because like, it, again, like it's it's no different than an e-com product in, in a way that each good is, has its own inventory. And it's just a marketplace that you need to track sales and different fees and whatnot too. I mean, in the end, man, yeah, you really highlighted, right? The marketing side of it. So, so like take Top Shots, you know, for example, uh, the front end of that, what we're seeing there, if you've purchased one, right, it's the the three-dimensional, you know, kind of video happening and a couple of kind of stat images and then and then some rich stat data. Like all of that doesn't have to live on the blockchain, right? In fact, it has very little to do with the blockchain, right? Like that's that's about UI, UX, raising awareness, marketing and promoting these drops, right? Like to your point, 
these are traditional, you know, business functions that are happening there that really are, are different from what's happening on the back end. That it's on the blockchain that they built their own, you know, blockchain because of the costs related to trading on uh, Ethereum and so on, right? Obviously, all of the benefits of immutability and tradability and uh, fluidity that happens on the blockchain. But it, it's interesting that some of the best projects and NFTs that are out there are built on just a, a marketing machine. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to again. Like, uh, well, you know, other, other evaluations is just like how easy is somebody able to just like whip out a credit card or their MetaMask or other wallets and, and assets and just like list it on there. Also too, there's a lot of advantages in the, in the near future too. Let's say like, again, like Polkadot, Kusama, Cardano, Tezos, or whoever it is, Tron, I don't really care. Like if they open up their first NFT marketplace, like you've seen already like first movers advantage of just like ridiculous when is that ridiculous i won't judge like somebody's art but like some some arts are just all speculative and you just, if you just make some sort of like golden bowl and blender and and just drop it on there like if you're just make the, if you're like the coolest nft asset in the new emerging marketplace then people don't really know how to uh, assign value to it then you're first to market or you're the only one that has made the coolest thing in that marketplace too and so that's the way i would see that if you are looking at merging platforms then um, why not try to move your asset over into that platform? I'll ask you a similar question from what I asked before, but a sort of different angle on it. Having, you know, sort of been through multiple cycles in the Bitcoin and crypto and NFT space, a lot of people are comparing this kind of climate right now of high energy and lots of interest, lots of activity to the dot-com bubble of the around 2000 or so. It's like 20 years ago, right? But people say, that's where Amazon started, right? So now look at Amazon 20 years hence, and there's, you know, it's huge, right? And it came out of that. So I'm curious if you ever think about, or do you see activity going on now where you say, you know, not that you're going to know, but this is going to be around in NFTs 20 years from now, and it's probably going to be huge. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I think that some of the, the crazy art out there, like actually like, created by like some of the top artists is going to last forever. Right. Like, you know, maybe like the Banksy art that's digitized, that is history. Um, same with like, yeah, like actual assets and actual pieces too. And, and I think that we're going to get there continuously too, as people are trying to take their real world assets and, and other commodities into an NFT or turning it into an NFT as well, that actually has value both like real world and digital as well too. So I think that that's going to like continue to last. Um, and then I think that like future iterations, we're not there yet, but you know, like what if there is like a, you know, NFT memberships for like whatever club or these other things that just uh, will give you access or special access into like different places yeah. you know i think that, that i've that, heard a lot of talk about this people are you know they're talking about in addition to nfts being an ownership of something it's actually it's a ticket it's a pass it's mm -hmm. uh it's a membership as you're in a club um yeah interesting that clubhouse is even so huge right now it's got the name clubhouse <laughs> you feel like you're in a little club and <laughs> in a sense this could be an extension of things where by having it it's it's like having a pass or a ticket or a license for xyz community or or opportunity yeah definitely and you know i think that uh in terms of like what i see too that we're not quite there yet is like you know fractional fractional ownership of uh art what i mean by that instead of like one single nft of like people 69 million dollars for a single buyer what if we could all group buy and, and or just own a piece of of all that be people art 
valued total in, in about $69 million, but we all have little bits of it that we can just like trade or sell. So, so Anand is doing that now. If you go to metaverse.com, he actually uh, announced that he's breaking that piece up into a bunch of fractional ownership stakes that you can sort of own, which is, which is like, so he had a, he had a plan. You know, it sounds like you had a plan to, to make this into something. Just happened yesterday while you were sleeping, man. Oh, okay. Uh, that's, that's how fast things move. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that's, that's cool. And I think that, that we'll continue to start seeing that. And, and then once, once that opens up, then it's going to be like fractional uh, real estate now, which it's like NFT is going to get into like uh, title ownership and title documents that again, now, now start flowing into real world assets that have a lot of value now that um, hasn't been able to be seen. And then if those NFTs actually represent real world assets and actually have revenue dividends and all these other things, then actually it could be traded uh, liquid or it could be put up as collateral as well too. That's when you start getting into the the whole DeFi NFT, like rabbit hole of oh, we're not there yet, <laughs> you know, um, but it starts opening up some crazy stuff. <laughs> So, so just a thought, Justin, if you're going to create an NFT of yourself tied to your future earnings in, in DeFi and NFT, I, I would like to buy a piece of that <laughs> NFT. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for that. Uh, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll be one of your first, first uh, <laughs> investors in, your, in the Justin Wu NFT. But, but in all seriousness, like, isn't that a possibility that we start NFTing ourselves? And, and, or is that, is that too outlandish? Yeah. Well, no, no, it's, it's definitely a possibility. The problem, the, is it, the problem is yeah. that all of your cells replace themselves within a seven year period. <laughs> so then what happens? Who have you NFT'd? I know, <laughs> I know right? <laughs> yeah. The, and the question comes down to, does it have to be an NFT or is it, are you actually just creating your own coin that has multiple coins in it as well too? And then, and then that is, just, you know, it, it's not necessarily uh, uh, NFT per se um, as a single NFT. It's just a collection of the coin or collective as well, too. That's where we're seeing projects like Chili's kind of uh, with like the team coins um, or Rally, which is another uh, new one that is for content creators and streamers. That one's backed by Coinbase Ventures and Anderson Horowitz, et cetera. That one is, uh, you know, I, it's still to be determined, like what is the actual value of a creator token except speculative value of this person's famous. I want his coin or her coin. But yeah, on top of on top of that, yeah, that's what we talked about earlier. If you're, I mean, it's exactly what a lot of creators are doing already. By being my Patreon member, you're a member of a club. You get special perks and things like that. So there are already advantages that can be given for for owning a stake in a creator. And isn't it also like you have to ask the question, which has been the question three years ago: Why is this on the blockchain, right? Like, does this need to be on the blockchain? It's a, a car dealership, but it's on the blockchain and everyone gets excited. We're going to do an ICO. I think that you, we got to ask that same question, don't we, about NFTs? Like, why, wait, why is this an NFT? What's the use case here? What's the benefit of it? Yeah, we brought up on our, on our last session, uh, it's called masterworks.io. And, that, you know, they're saying buy shares mm -hmm. of real iconic art. And it's actually they're they're selling themselves as an NFT alternative, and they're telling you know in their marketing they're saying digital asset you know are speculative. Why don't you invest in these Banksy pieces that that we have and fractional ownership? So you know just to give a concrete example of that question, how are these people screwing up? You know by not 
making what they're doing into um, something on the blockchain? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily screwing up again. Like if, if they are taking custody of it and it is, you know, some sort of their own like centralized token or represent their shares or whatever it is to those uh, assets. And if they actually own the asset, then it, it that's cool. That's great. They, they have a piece of paper that says they own part of it, you know, not, not everything is going to move into to blockchain, but they're going to miss out in terms of like accessibility of like actual liquid dollars and global dollars, especially if the industry is trending in that direction. Why not turn it into an NFT or actually it doesn't need to be NFT again. Like each of those, it depends on like how fractional NFTs will come in and, and, and break up. Is it going to be a single NFT that can be broken up to little bits and pieces? Or is it going to be an actual token that is uh, tied to that asset itself as well too? So it's it's still super early. And I think that it's interesting that they <laughs> they are uh, going anti, anti-NFT because it's, it, it doesn't make any sense to me because it's uh, they're doing the same thing except one is like actual provable and controllable. Maybe they just haven't figured that they, what they need to do is they need to create their own centralized chain or, or project that will mimic their security or regulatory uh, compliance on their side. But, you know, again, that, that just proves to, to the point that, you know, they're coming at from a traditional regulatory and traditional market standpoint where NFTs are not guaranteed to be authentic or, or, or there's just not enough, uh, scrutiny or like regulatory uh, hoops that these, these entity platforms are, are kind of like following compared to like what masterworks might be doing that they are I, and who knows like i don't know if they are or not but you know they're, they're trying to come off as if they're like the more official official shares that is i didn't uh, mean to put you <laughs> in the spot to try to say that they're screwing something up yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. awkward no, position no. to put you <laughs> and I, i'm <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with Masterworks too. And the, I know some, some of my friends like work in similar types of companies and I've always thought they should be doing something in NFT or fractional ownership space. Cause th- that is literally what they're doing, but you know, like we're still going to see like FinTech still exists, traditional finance, just because DeFi exists out there doesn't mean that um, the rest of the world is on this wave yet. We're still so early and eventually we'll see if it's like with everything else, they'll, they'll come over and turn over to it uh, when they're ready. What actual NFTs? So we got the platforms, we got the future of NFT. What you got top shots, man. You collect the street fighter. You, you, you're in the game for individual NFTs. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely collecting top shots. Uh, both just trading, trading a little bit, collecting drops as much as possible. I got one that uh, for Blancos 2, which is a big game that's going to come out. Sometimes as you're right now, they're built on EOS, but it looks like they're going to look at other platforms as well, too. Um, it's kind of like a platformer and party game. In terms of art, I collected a, just a few different random things on just like Nifty Gateway, but just sold it and just mostly like just flipping it for now, not really like holding on to it. But I'm still kind of like, in terms of like buying, I'm still debating if I want to continue to buy more entities currently right now, which I could, but it's just, it's a full-time thing to kind of like understand the value or just be able to spot the marketplace when I've just been doing a lot more DeFi trading uh, more so uh, currently at least. Um, and that's just been doing well for me. I've noticed a lot of analytics tools now available for all the, the various individual NFTs that are out there, right? Um, in fact, mm-hmm. services you can buy, different uh, trading newsletters and whatnot, whether it's Top Shots or Street Fighter, whatever. It's amazing how much has come about that it didn't exist six months ago, right? It's a, it's a whole ecosystem now, pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know that's where there's like a lot of opportunities to to kind of 
because you know there's a lot of real money involved now right so like the more tools that you provide to sellers and buyers because uh will only help the space um evolve even further because um it's just going to help understand and, and track value maintain value maximize ma- maximize trades sales and value as well too that isn't quite there yet and to me that could help bring a continuous rolling market that won't implode in the way that we see it with same with bitcoin because of that because um as long as there's like speculative gains to to be made and and things popping off in price people are always going to continue to like fomo chase and you know it's the same thing with like gamestop if gamestop just does like a crazy move again people are going to fomo into it again same with dogecoin like it, it's it's not gonna you can't kill it and it's just a rolling bubble that just happens as long as there's speculation and i think that because we're seeing NFTs now come with these big brands and, and celebrities and, and, and organizations now uh, selling to their own uh, communities, then they are, you know, essentially like that in itself is its own ecosystems. And each of them are their own entity ecosystems that you can't really, the brand itself would have to die in my opinion. Um, or, or they just don't really provide any value for the entities that they're providing. They're going for like cheap, quick wins. Then people are going to catch onto that fast. And it's like holding beanie babies uh, at the end of the day where you had speculative value at the early on rush, but then it just didn't hold its value too. That could be a thing. You know, like we, we already saw with, with some other uh, projects out there um, selling, selling a few different things like, you know, like MLB, MLB cards, you know, like they didn't really take off as hard as the NBA uh, top shots there just needs to be more interactivity. And I know that NBA top shots is building a lot more future things that you can do to provide different value to, uh, to the different NFTs out there. Um, and I think that's like, yeah, phase two interact, making more interactive and engagement use for the NFT holders. So, so I'm, I'm a musician. I studied jazz piano. I've composed music, things like that. I, but I'm just curious if you have uh, any thoughts about, specific applications of nft and music or anything you know what you're interested in or what what you've seen yeah so i've been tracking like the the blau launches uh some of these other artists as well too um, that are coming into the the space you know some people are just like doing album drops with this and or attaching like unique iterations of the of their song in terms of like exclusive access or different pieces for that as well only probably in my opinion like only like the super big names can probably sell some of the stuff like that um i think that the smaller musicians and artists will have a challenge because one they don't have a community or speculative community to to build off of and that's again like comes back down to marketing right like i think marketing is going to be huge just because you launch a lot of artists just launch nfts or not they're thinking that they can sell it's, it, they're they're just end up just paying gas fees and end up being in the red almost <laughs> with some of their assets yeah, it's kind of like I'm noticing this trend, you know, you, you might see it in Clubhouse or, or Twitter back in the day or any of the social media platforms, TikTok. I guess there are these sort of people that arise out of the platform, but that's kind of the kind of, that's kind of the dream, right? Like, oh, I'm going to get on TikTok and I'm going to become a TikTok star. But really what happens is the people that already have a following say, hey, this is just a cool mm-hmm. new thing. And then they just bring their following there, right? It's not like you get in there and exactly. build something. It's the power of the brand. Obviously, you can make a name for yourself from the ground up from dropping really cool music and art for NFTs, but you're you're, you're pushing against the stream, right? Because you had no uh, reputation authority. And, and sometimes just a lot of these uh, NFT drops, it's all about hype and marketing, you know, like what makes one shoe drop better than the other shoe? It's just 
you know, has a, ch- a check mark on it or three stripes, you know, that's, that's what it is. And, and that just comes back down to just like marketing and community. So you can use these like platforms to help you get discovered. But at the end of the day, you need to just do the more outside the distractions, of NFTs really build up your brand your, or just focus on your music to just be as best as you can so that you can build up the mm-hmm. audience. Cause yeah. a lot of these guys are, in my opinion, are you doing it for, it's really great for brand engagement and retention too. like your super core fans. And, but again, like the, the caveat for that is you have to have that core group. If you don't, then, then you're just trying to raise awareness and you dropping your NFT, you could make the best NFT out there, but if nobody knows about it, then, then who's going to buy it? You know, that's, that's the, that's the greatest challenge uh, out there. Yeah, man. So marketing, authenticity, right? Community, utility in some cases, right? So it sounds like these are the the hallmarks of uh, what we think are going to be successful NFTs going forward or any company, right? Like it's not, that's not reinventing the wheel, right? Exactly. Well, hey, man. So uh, we have this, uh, this segment that it might be a good time to uh, transition to that we call edge quick hitters. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's 10 questions kind of in the spirit from inside the actor studios, just looking for one or, or a few word answers on these things. I think it's a little, it's a little fun. We can have some fun with it. Uh, you ready to dive in? All right, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. All right. So what is the first thing you ever purchased with your own money? Uh, probably Pokemon cards. <laughs> definitely Pokemon cards. Like, uh, yeah, like I try to think about it. Yeah. Pokemon, Pokemon cards will definitely have to be up there. Like it's one of the first things. So I think I know the answer, but what is the first thing you ever sold for your own money? <laughs> uh, yeah. Same thing with like, it was like, it had to be like Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards to, to begin with. And that's how I kind of like started my, uh, my first career. <laughs> it's just like, I, I got it. I got it as gift. And I just like started seeing, um, I, I learned eBay when I was 10 or so, like really early on or like less than I was 10. And I just found out that uh, I could resell it or like Craigslist even. And I uh, <laughs> just made money Very flipping cool. it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I know you so much better now, Justin. This explains everything. We'll go into that one a little more for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We could, we could dive a little more into that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, what is uh, the last thing you purchased? KSM. <laughs> Yeah. uh yeah ksm or luna like both of those uh i just uh just bought more especially from this uh discount dip uh from the options expiry expiration <laughs> a real we know we're talking to a real investor and trader here um yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is the last thing you sold uh last thing i sold let's see i'm trying to think of what i i, I did sell like a top shot the other the other day it was a, a Zion card. It was a common one though, but uh, get, I was trading some of the comments just to get more uh, dapper credits and fuel for the, the next drop where some other drops. Right as well. <laughs> uh, what's your most prized possession? Oh, my most prized possession. Uh, I just have to say my whole, my whole crypto stash. <laughs> my crypto bags. My crypto bags, I should say, yeah. Crypto yeah. bags, that's it. Uh, <laughs> if you could obtain anything uh, that's purchasable in the world, what would it be? Uh, if I could buy anything in the world that's dope right now, I would probably just want like a full, like a huge Murakami art on my wall right now, like a huge thing right now, just because something like super trippy. <laughs> that's probably, <laughs> I don't know why, but like, why not? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could, if you could pass on one trait of yours to the next generation, 
What would it be? One, tr- one trade? <laughs> yeah. A, a, a trait or trade? I was like, oh, okay. Personality oh. trait. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, oh, I have to make one call of the lifetime. <laughs> um, one, one trait is uh, persistence. I think that's uh, just keep going at it. Keep trying. Never give up. That's the most important thing. Failure is always going to happen, but uh, those that win is going to eventually, you only need to be right once to do that. You just got to keep pushing through. Right on. So if you could eliminate one personality trait of yours from the next generation, what would it be? Uh, one distraction, I guess. <laughs> I think it's just lack of, you know, continue. Like, I think focus is super uh, key, especially with like all these like shiny objects that's going on in space, but it's also hard because, you know, stuff has been moving so fast and I'm always trying to be in the frontier, but I'd say like, if, if, you know something's going to go in, in a certain way, like go all in on it and explore it. Um, so focus, I'd say. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Okay. What what did you do just before joining us on the podcast today? Uh, I was checking kind of like, which are the new upcoming DeFi projects I should be investing in. <laughs> just kind of uh, <laughs> just get, which one took the biggest hits and, and, and immediately scooping it up right before uh, the options expired this, this morning. Nice. Kind of timed it, time to time to write, and the market kind of responded immediately in, in that way. I, I guess the last thing that I did was uh, just took uh, some options call and 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 write blockchain um, <laughs> on Robinhood. <laughs> Rock and roll. Uh, yeah, yeah. What are you going to do next after the podcast? Uh, I am going to talk to some uh, Polkadot and Kusama marketers next to get some, hopefully leak leak some alpha, shake some alpha out of them. Yeah. And uh, understand <laughs> understand what's next. That kind of that's kind of my thing is just trying to figure out what's next. And the only way to do that right now is talking to people that are in the industry. Right on. Well, appreciate it, man. That's our ten. Thanks for the answers, man. Um, that's great. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks, thanks again. <laughs> of course, yeah. I don't know if you have a few minutes still. Um, we had a few hot topics. I think that uh, have yeah. up here. Uh, uh, touch base on some of those. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, one one interesting thing I saw looking around was that the New York Times actually has sold one of its articles as an mm-hmm. NFT. Uh, I think it uh, I think it went for about a half a million dollars. And one one interesting aside, which which uh, happened both in the article about the article and the article itself, <laughs> was that it could listen to it, which was kind mm. of nice. Um, but uh, but yeah, the article itself was interesting because at at first, in the very beginning of it, it was sort of very general stuff. Like, if you want to know what an NFT is, here it is. And I was like, well, that's a really lame article at this point. I mean, this news is already out there and and the New York Times is supposed to be like, you know, leaking new things, mm-hmm. right? But it was it was actually not, not a bad article, kind of in-depth, went into what was the process of selling it as an NFT and, you know, where they went to go list it and things like that. Now, the question is, is that a piece of history? Like, is that a five hundred thousand dollar piece of history, or is it just uh, you know? Yeah, I, I, the moment. You know, I definitely think it is. It's just you know, it's almost bragging rights in the way that you actually own like the the Forbes cover or Time magazine of a historical piece in time, and you know, like it's always been iconic with like time, in terms of like who is uh, on the cover or like person of the year, woman, man of the year, or whatever it is. So you know, technically, those are if you do own it, then you kind of do have that bragging rights i guess or badge 
of of those and uh if you have a whole collection that could be worth something as well like you actually own those covers officially from from time so i think yeah i think it has its own use and its own speculative uh ownership and and value to it seems like with a lot of these things like you know just just like with maybe baseball cards football cards basketball cards things like that pokemon cards right if you if it's your thing that you're intrigued with that you're interested in that you're following in that you're on the cutting edge of then it's worth a lot more than if you just picked it up and you have no idea of its value and you don't know who to sell it to and you don't even know why it's valuable right um so it seems like it's most valuable to someone who is a historian of of the news mm-hmm. or you know things like yeah, that or items and so yes you know there's definitely collectors out there they would have done it anyways otherwise if they had like the master copy of of some sort of like piece or art or something in history um as well that's officially um authenticated by the uh, organization as well too um obviously now it's just more open and liquid in terms of the marketplace they raised the issue uh in the article about the carbon emissions that you know potential things people think raising issues about with blockchain and nft they did not provide a solution that they that they had come up with to to deal with their own uh, maybe associated carbon emissions I, yeah that's um, interesting yeah well i mean like everything's moving eventually to proof of stake so i don't even see that as a legit like future concern so not uh, yeah don't without getting too much into the debate of like bitcoin oh, obviously bitcoin taking a ton of energy it it is what it is for bitcoin um can't change that fact but you know with everything else though uh i think proof of stake is going to be the future so uh what about all these uh you know we, we talked about a little little bit with a16z um investing in open and we talked about that before but you know a lot of tech investors are jumping <laughs> into investing now they in, are and you know now they are like they weren't here years ago. <laughs> so you know they're they're doing the silicon valley thing shaking their name putting stamping on it doesn't guarantee success for a lot of these projects but obviously we're seeing a benefit though now with a lot of these DeFi projects and nfts like if you get this badge of seal of uh silicon valley putting their name backing it then um the speculative value of of your own tokens will also shoot up as well but i would argue that some of the other token funds um out there um are doing a much they have had a much better job at making the calls and, and doing it but you know like you know what i do appreciate with like anderson horowitz and these other guys like they they know at least they understand in terms of evaluation of legit teams and founders so there is something to do um, there that that is legitimate and they're investing in big vision teams um that i think are gonna um last uh there and so they have their own due diligence that i i do appreciate and uh but it, you know it's great because now we have a lot more legit money coming into the space and actually backing some of these projects. It's just funny to see that they 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 finally are catching on to the the trend uh, starting like the starting from DeFi summer. Um, not even DeFi summer. They they probably all started rolling in probably like in uh, winter of 2020 finally. Um, and that gateway only provides more legitimacy now though in the space. Why well, I'm I'm super bullish because of all these projects now that are getting backing by these big name, um, household name funds. That means that there are actually a lot, a lot of legit projects coming to space and you should be, be bullish uh, of that. I'll tell you though, I think it's still early even with uh, the investments, right? Because I mean, $90 million came in in the first quarter. In the grand scheme of things, when you think about that, it's not actually a ton of money, right? And when you think of the number of projects that are doing killer things and 
maybe the stage of those projects, many of which are a little later stage or whatever. So, uh, you know, 90 million is a big number, um, but, uh, you know, that was one people sale almost, right? So it's like, you know, you look at it, you're like, man, there's so much more potential there, right? From where we are now, it feels like, like with most aspects of NFT, you're still kind of at the beginning. Yeah, the listed this uh, CNBC article puts uh, Sorare at the top with 48 million, OpenSea 23 million, Boson Protocol about 10 million, Collectia 4 million, Rarible about 2 million, and NFTFI at almost a million, yeah, we're which is not about that much at all. <laughs> stage Series A for most of these guys, you know, pretty dang early. You know, granted, 2020 and, and before, there were plenty of projects raised a lot of money from institutional investors uh, and uh, of course the, the ICO, the security token offerings, a lot of different things to bring money in the door, right? But you know, you would think honestly that, that it would be more uh, given the attention on it so far this year. Maybe Q2, we'll see a little more of that. Yeah, and I think that people are still trying to evaluate kind of like what's the next plays and, and whatnot, or there's a lot of deals that are happening behind the scenes that we still don't know are still, still being in talks of yeah, yes. but you know that that we're still super early on in terms of like dollar dollar value and and people coming uh, putting in more capital um, into it uh, as well. Right on. Cool. Well, dude, it's been great having you on, man. Like you know, yeah. <laughs> man, the the entire episode was hot topics, by the way. <laughs> but <laughs> that's been fun. Yeah, a lot of a lot of different a lot of different thoughts to to go around the the table and 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 hopefully, yeah, I can happy to have shared some of my thoughts on, on what's going on in the, the marketplaces.